Today we have gathered to celebrate Easter Sunday, and this is the day that Jesus resurrected from the grave and conquered sin and death. And the truth is, today is probably the most important day in the Christian calendar. In fact, the most important day in the history of the world. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But Christ has been raised, hallelujah, and we are no longer trapped in the condemnation of our sins. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tells us, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. And that is what we're going to meditate on this morning in the Word of God. So please stand with me. We are going to be looking at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We will be reading from verse 1 to verse 27 in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are they not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming 
into the world. Pray with me. Lord, we ask that your spirit would teach us today, help us to fully understand this wonderful truth, this foundational truth, Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life, and that whoever believes in you, though he die, yet shall he live. Please, Lord, we pray, help me today to communicate this, this, this important truth, and may your spirit help us to see clearly today and to love your son, Jesus, even more. We ask in his precious name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. A few weeks ago, some of our members attended the funeral service of Shine's sister, uh, Christina. And she was admitted to hospital on, on the Friday with influenza. And she died the very next day, very, very unexpected. And I conducted the funeral at the cemetery in Dubai. And as we followed the coffin to the open grave, we passed other graves and headstones that had been placed there by loved ones and family. And at one section of the graveyard, there was a young couple who had come to, to tidy and, and to fix up the, the grave of their one-year-old child who had died and to, and to offer flowers there and even a small little toy car on top of the grave in, in remembrance of their child. It was, it was heartbreaking to, to watch this couple grieve the death of their child. And death is not something that we like to talk about. Death is not something that we like to think about. Death remains the eternal enemy. We know that death is certain. But originally God made us to live forever. He made us never to experience death. And death frightens us naturally. And I think one of the reasons many people do not like to consider death and its its implications, because even though it is, it is certain, it is very uncertain. Uncertainty concerning what happens after death. And for those who by faith have put their trust in the resurrected Savior and repented of their sins, the Bible says we will have eternal life. But for those who don't know the resurrected Savior, death remains the eternal enemy. But that's why the resurrection of Jesus is so precious to believers, and that's why we worship today the resurrection of our Savior. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Because of Jesus Christ, because Death has been defeated because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Believers no longer have to be afraid of death. Death only opens up eternal life. I remember one pastor saying once, death is the best thing that could happen to a believer. This is our hope. It is a hope founded on truth. And Thomas Hardy, in his little book called Countdown, he said, two ultimate questions of existence are these. Has anyone ever cheated death? And question number two, if he has, did he make a way for me to cheat it? 
And those are the two ultimate questions of human destiny, isn't it? Number one, has anybody ever cheated death? And the answer is yes. His name is Jesus Christ. And number two, did he make a way for me to cheat death? And the answer is yes. John chapter 14, verse 19. Because I live, said Jesus, you shall have eternal life. And today we will meditate on this marvelous truth. In our text today, Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Our passage today illustrates the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That is the title of my sermon this morning. But it is demonstrated in the life of one man named Lazarus. And he had been dead for four days. Lazarus got what so many people often wish for, an escape from death. But as astounding as this is, Lazarus' resurrection is not the focus of this story. There are some far more important lessons in this account, and I want to point three of those lessons out to you today. So the first point this morning is the Lord's design, and we see that in verse 1 to verse 5, the Lord's design. In verse 1, we read that the Lord had a very close friend by the name of Lazarus. We see that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And if you look there in verse 5, it plainly says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. One day Lazarus fell extremely ill. Mary and Martha knew of the healing power of Jesus, and they, they immediately sent for Jesus. But the Lord did not come straight away. He stayed where he was for a while before going to meet Lazarus. And we see the Lord had a purpose for this. The Lord had a very specific design for Mary and Martha in the death of Lazarus. And although they, although they were hurting these two sisters, the Lord was in control, and He was working this out for their good. For their good. Mary and Martha did not fully understand God's purpose. In verse 21, Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So regardless of the fact that she did not understand, the Lord was still in control. And I've often wondered why Jesus waited four days to reach Mary and Martha. You know, why not, why not three or, or why not two? And besides that, didn't Jesus have the power to raise or heal Lazarus from a distance if he, if he wanted to? Well, there were reasons for that, and we'll look at that a little, a little um, further on. But the Lord waited four days after the death so that there was no shadow of doubt about the fact that this was a display of divine power and authority. Look at verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Christ could have gone immediately to Lazarus. He could have prevented him from dying. But he had a design. He had a greater design that was at work. And this was for God's glory and for the disciples' faith to increase. So he delayed going immediately, which resulted in Lazarus' death. And, of course, the sister's grief over the loss of their brother. But this had to happen 
And the Lord loved them. And because he loved them, he allowed them to experience this grief. Because he loved them, he allowed them to, to suffer for a greater purpose that they did not understand until later on. Until later on. Which leads to my second point. We see in verse 6 to verse 15, the Lord's delay. We see the Lord's delay. Look at verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the, to, to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? So Jesus receives news of Lazarus' illness. But he delays two days before proposing to go to Judea. And we see the disciples, they are amazed at what Jesus is saying to them. Why, why should we go back to Jerusalem? That's where the people were wanting to kill you, Lord. Why do we, why do we want to go there again? And rather than leaving immediately, he delays the trip for his disciples' benefits. And this may seem strange, but the Lord's delay would strengthen the faith of His disciples. And we see that their faith is not what it should be at this point. Their faith is not in the resurrected Son of God. They think Jesus to be a rabbi. They use the word rabbi. They think He's a good teacher. They think He's a holy man. But at this point, whether He's the resurrected Son of God or whether He has power over death, that is debatable. The truth is, God allowed this to happen for a reason. He delayed the disciples' um, anticipation for a purpose to strengthen their faith. God will not always work according to our schedules. We need to understand that. We are not God. We can't see the end of the story. We can't see the, the finished puzzle that's been built at this moment. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 reminds us that he makes everything beautiful in His time. In His time, not in our time. And delaying seems to be a confusing thing for the Lord to have done, especially here. But He did so for the benefit of those who were going to witness this miracle that we know happened. We often expect God to work according to the way that we would. And when He does not, we doubt His power and we doubt His goodness. But Jesus Christ proved that despite His delay, He still had sovereign power, and He still had absolute goodness and love. One of the greatest spiritual truths we need to learn as Christians is that God is sovereign. That God is God, and we are not. And God's timing is never early, and God's timing is never late. In fact, from before our birth until the moment we take our last earthly breath, our sovereign God is accomplishing His divine purposes in our lives. And He is in complete control of everything and of everyone. And I think our ability to wait on the Lord is, is largely related to how much we trust Him. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 tells us that when we trust in the Lord with all of our 
hearts, and we do not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him, He will direct our paths. But there is faith involved, folks. To fully trust God, we need to know God. We need to know His character. We need to know that He loves us and that He cares for us and that He is a good God. And we need to trust Him. We need to trust His timing. But you know, the best way to know Him is through His Word, right? Is to read His Word. If we study and we meditate on His Word daily, His timing will also become clear to us. Are you reading His Word? Do you know His character? Can you depend on Him in difficult times? You know, when we question God's timing, it is often because we are looking for, for guidance or deliverance from a, from a difficult situation. We don't want to go through this situation. We want to avoid it. But God knows best. He knows what we need, when we need it. We can rest assured, however, that our, our Heavenly Father knows exactly where we are in our lives at every single moment. He either put us there or is allowing us to be there all for His perfect purpose. In fact, God often uses trials to strengthen us. God often uses trials to grow us in our patience. God often allows Christian faith to mature and to become complete through these different troubles that we face. And we know that all things, according to Romans 8, 28, including difficult trials, work out for the good of those who love God, right? God does indeed hear the cries of His children, and He will answer those cries according to His perfect timing. And the plans God has for His children are good plans. Trust His plan. Trust His will over your will. You are not God. God is God. He is sovereign. Our third point, we see the Lord's declaration here in verse 16 to verse 27. Look at verse 16. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that, they, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. In verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. I remember talking to a lady once, talking about her, her journey of faith. She was a godly lady who had been struggling with, with cancer for a number of years. And she told me how she had come to, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she told me that she had grown up in a, in a Christian home, she had grown up with parents who loved the Lord, who shared the gospel with her. She knew all the facts about Jesus. She knew all the stories in the Bible from Sunday school. And she believed them. She was not an agnostic. She wasn't an atheist. She believed that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. But she went on to say that she never believed that Jesus loved her. She didn't believe that Jesus loved her. She knew that she was a sinner, and she knew that she had offended a, a holy God. She knew all the, 
four points of, of the gospel presentation that, that we know so well. But her faith was not in the person of Jesus Christ. And I think we have a similar dilemma here pictured for us in the person of Martha in the story. When Jesus eventually comes to Bethany, the, the place, Martha approaches him with, with a challenge. Lord, why didn't you come sooner? If you had, then my brother would be alive right now. But the Lord comforted Martha with the fact that she would see her brother raised to life. And then Martha did not understand that the Lord, what the Lord was talking about. She was thinking of more of a, of a physical understanding here. She, her believing was referring to the resurrection at the last day, which most Jewish people believed about, a resurrection of the, of the body. They believed about this general resurrection. You know, our souls will never die, and we will all be resurrected in the last day. That's what they, they believed. Um, we see it in the Old Testament, in the book of Job. Job himself, he believed it. Uh, Daniel talked about it, and it's written about in Daniel chapter 12. And even the Pharisees had a notion about this general resurrection of the bodies of the souls in the last day. But the Lord was not wanting to know if Martha's faith was in a doctrine. The Lord was not wanting to know if Martha's faith was in an event. The Lord was teaching Martha that her faith and her hope should be in the person of Jesus Christ. Not an event, but the source of resurrection power. Jesus moved Martha from, a, from an abstract belief in the resurrection that will take place in the last day to a very personal trust in the one who alone can raise the dead from the grave. No resurrection or eternal life exists outside the Son of God. And Martha needed to learn that Jesus didn't just love Lazarus, her brother, but her as well. She also needed to learn that Jesus was in control of this very tragic situation. And she doubted the goodness of Jesus. She doubted the character of Jesus. Surely Martha had heard how Jesus had healed the, the royal official's son from a distance, which we see in, in John chapter 4. You know, Jesus didn't have to be physically present to, to heal Lazarus before she died. So Martha's challenge really reveals a little bit about her, her lack of faith. It, it reflects a, a failure to recognize that, that God is in control, no matter where He is. The Lord could have healed Lazarus from a distance. But most of us have thoughts just as Martha and Mary thought in this trial. If only things had been different. We replay these circumstances in our minds. If only I had not done what I did, that accident would not have happened. If only the the timing had been different. The tragedy would not have occurred. 
but it's really a contradiction to say if only things had been different. If he's the Lord, then he's in control of all circumstances. Either God is sovereign of all, or he's not sovereign at all, folks. There's no in-between here. If he's the Lord, he's in control of all circumstances. And surely he wasn't asleep. He wasn't distracted when Lazarus got sick, when Lazarus died. And the Lord's not asleep or he's not distracted when our tragedies happen. The Bible repeatedly affirms that God is in control of all things, including tragedies. The Lord then confronted her with a glorious truth. In verse 25 and verse 26, he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says to her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He was teaching Martha that this event, this, this general resurrection of the last day, that should not be her hope. That should not be what she is looking forward to. That should not be where her faith is. Martha needed to put her faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who loved her, the one who was indeed the resurrection and the life. When Martha heard this, she bowed her head in humble submission to the Lord, and she makes this wonderful confession in verse 27. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God, the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And then we know what happens, the rest of the story. The Lord then proceeds to call Lazarus back from the grave. I think Martha's conversion is really the miracle here. <laughs> it's really the, the main point of the story here. It's not so much about Lazarus. It's about Martha's repentance and faith in the one who has the power to raise the dead from the grave. Let me bring this all together this morning by way of application. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, he tells a story about a poor old French couple who had framed on their wall a note, a banknote worth 1,000 francs. And a traveler saw it, and a traveler asked about it, and they said that they had um, taken in a dying French soldier, and he had given them this framed picture when he was dying as, a, as a, a memory of him. But they didn't realize that it was worth a small fortune if they would take this note out of the frame and take it to the bank. And Spurgeon applies it by exclaiming, he says, oh, that we had grace to turn God's bullion of gospel into current coin and use them as our present spending money. As we have seen, Martha should be commended for believing God's promises regarding eternity. But Jesus meant for her to apply that promise to the present situation. He wanted her to believe that he could and that he would raise Lazarus that very day. Do you believe this? That's the question this morning, isn't it? 
I'm not asking you whether you have faith in a doctrine. I'm not asking you whether you believe the Sunday school stories. I'm not asking you whether you are an atheist. I'm asking you, do you believe that Jesus has the power to resurrect the dead from the grave? The gospel that we've here preached, have you applied it to yourself? Jesus said in chapter 11, verse 4, that this miracle would result in the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Jesus revealed His glory both by showing His power in calling Lazarus from the tomb and also by His words to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a, this is a, a claim only deity can, can make, folks. Only God can make. This is one of the five I am statements recorded in the book of, of John, the Gospel of John. No other than God in human flesh could say what Jesus says here. I am the resurrection and the life. He does not merely say that he can relate to the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And those qualities are part and parcel of who Jesus is. Do you believe this? In claiming, I am the resurrection, Jesus was referring to what he said in, in chapter 5. That one day he will speak and all the dead from all times will rise. Some to eternal life and others to judgment. And Jesus, Jesus further explains this here when he adds in verse 25, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. Look at verse 26. Jesus says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus does not mean that believers will never die physically. Since he just referred to believers dying, Rather, he means that those who believe in him will never die spiritually. They receive eternal life from Jesus. In chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. And that's why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. Jesus resurrected from the grave. He has victory over sin, but also over death, folks. This resurrection is vital to our faith. If Jesus had not been resurrected from the grave, our faith would be in vain. But He has been resurrected, amen? This eternal life that Jesus talks about begins the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't begin the day we die. This eternal life that Jesus promises begins the day that we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the day that we are born again. We don't have to wait to enter the presence of the Lord to receive this, this wonderful gift. And Martha already believed in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God, as she goes on to affirm but in her grief, the Lord challenges her to believe specifically in Him as the resurrection and the life. 
this Resurrection Sunday, the Lord wants each of us to look through our grief, to look through the confusion that we may have, to look through the tears that we have shed to Him, not to the doctrine, but to Him as the resurrection and the life, and answer this question. Do you believe this? Again, those two questions that I started with. Has anyone ever cheated death? The answer is yes. His name is Jesus Christ. The second question, did he make a way for me? The answer is yes. John chapter 14, verse 19. Because I live, said Jesus, you shall also. Because of Jesus Christ, death has been defeated. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, believers no longer have to be afraid of death. Death opens up eternity for us, where we will fellowship with God in perfect peace forever and ever. This is our hope. Do you have this hope this morning? Have you been born again? Let me finish with a challenge to those who have been born again, to the Christian. As I mentioned, our eternal life that Jesus promises begins the moment we are born again. John 8, 51 tells us, I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This mortal life is going to decline. We are going to get older. We are going to get corrupted in our bodies. And we all will die. That is a guarantee. But the life that Jesus gives is eternal for the spirit and the soul. Death brings an end to everything in this life, but the life Jesus gives us continues. We don't have to wait to die. And please hear this, Christian. This new life that Jesus promises transforms us. It gives us new desires. It gives us new passions. It gives us a new focus. We live for God's glory, not for our glory. We live to please the Father. We live for His will to be done, not for our will to be done. We live because we trust His character. We know who He is. We want to know Him better. We want to love God. We want to learn about Jesus, and we want to live for Jesus. We don't just try to be the right kind of person. We really do become godly people because of Christ who now lives within us. This resurrection is applicable for every Christian here this morning. The resurrection of Jesus is not just an escape, a get-out-of-jail card, free. Now you can live like you want. We are either slaves to sin, as Romans 6 tells us, or we are slaves of righteousness. Those who have been born again are not like the dog who returns to the vomit and eats the mess that they once made. We have repented of our sins. We have turned 180 degrees to worship the true and living God. We have repented of our sins. We have forsaken our idols to worship the true and the living God. The resurrection is precious to us because of the life that we now live for God's glory and for our joy. The confident hope we have of victory over death 
is because Jesus gives us new life while we still are alive. Your resurrection from the dead and your eternal life in fellowship with God can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we reflect on the resurrected Savior, on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I ask you this morning, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for sinners like us, for a sinner like me. Thank you for his amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, that he suffered and died so that I could live a life pleasing to him, a life worthy of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that we would be people who are known by our love for each other and for our love for Christ, that people would look upon us and see that we are indeed disciples of Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because our faith has been put in the one who has the power over sin and death and sickness and disease, the one who has conquered death and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth. I pray today, Lord, that you would save the lost from their sins, that you would take them out of darkness into your marvelous light and give them faith and repentance to believe in the one, the one and only who has conquered death and made a way for us. Lord, I pray today for your glory and for our joy that you would save the lost, bring them into your fold. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.